Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Let us now discuss how that is not an argument. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. Good to be with you. This is the argument about how the state has no say about the blue line. The voters spoke via the ballot box. I can go through many things in history where the voters spoke via the ballot box. It doesn't mean it should happen. Let's take a step back. What is the blue line? Well, the blue line is this dedicated bus nonsense. This dedicated bus nonsense started with the red line that went through Indianapolis. Oh, you know the red line. The red line was an electric bus built by the Chinese, BYD, build your dreams, that didn't work. It didn't work in Albuquerque where it was first tried, referred to by the Democrat mayor there as a lemon. They brought it to Indianapolis knowing that it had issues with charging in the cold. We are colder than Albuquerque, New Mexico. Then we were gonna build charging stations for where the bus was stopped so it would charge as it was resting. But that didn't work either. So now, of course, we have some diesel contraption and we took away travel lanes for cars. The red line, the blue line, the purple line is about taking cars off the road. The socialist, Jesse Brown, has been very clear about this. He's a city county councilor because Indianapolis, they like pain. It's about getting cars off the road. And when they bring people to object to a a conversation about the blue line that Senator Aaron Freeman has brought forth, maybe we shouldn't have dedicated bus lines. Maybe we should take a year pause. You're getting people killed. People die if we don't have dedicated bus lanes. No, they're making the argument for putting an end to cars. Cars to them are the enemy. This is exactly what Vision Zero does. Something adopted in Indianapolis comes from Sweden, and its purpose is to bring car accidents and car fatalities down to zero. You could argue that's an admirable goal, but the way that is done is by taking cars off the road. As I have argued more than once, I could end all traffic accidents in downtown Indianapolis after 5 p.m. Monday through Sunday if I said you're not allowed to drive a car after 5 p.m. Monday through Sunday. I could end all traffic accidents. 
This is what Brown and his cohort want to do. This isn't about dedicated bus lanes and having safety and security. It's about putting an end to your ability to gauge in transportation. I think that is a racist thing to do. It is bigoted to tell people that the only way they can travel is not by their own means, but but rather only by government means. You can only take this bus and you can only take it from this place to this place at these times that we prescribe to you. I think it is racist to tell a black man or a black woman they can't have their own car and drive as they see fit. What? That's what they're saying. Oh, they're saying it about white people too? Sure, but I like to focus on the racism part because let them figure out how to deal with it. Aaron Freeman, the senators, uh, state senator, said, we should take a look at this. We should engage whether or not this makes sense. And what, why are we allowing dedicated lanes? Well, we have to have the dedicated lanes because this is how we pitched it to the federal government. And this is how we're getting all the money for the improvements. And if we don't make this happen, we're going to lose the money for the improvements. How about the fact that it's not an improvement? It is detrimental to the ability to travel freely. Why is it that we have these people, these socialist, nay communists, who are desperate, desperate to limit mobility? I find it offensive. I find it wholly un-American. Oh, and certainly racist. No, car lanes should not be bus only. Cars matter. Cars are good. I don't argue against bicycles. I don't argue against pedestrians. And I don't argue against safety. I do make the statement very clearly that mobility is important and cars have a value and roads are for cars. And there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs, as Thomas Sowell taught us. And the trade-off that they want to make These not only uh, bigots, these racists, but these bullies, the trade-off they want to make is you get no mobility. Now, why are they bullies? Because there were business owners on the east side who had real issues with the blue line. And then here comes an elected official supported by the president of the city county council, Vop Osley, with actual dollars for his campaign, threatening business owners. And then all of a sudden the business owners said, sorry, we don't want to be involved. Look, if this is what the community wants, please don't hurt us. You got to feel for them. You got to feel for them. But I don't think Hoosiers should be okay with bullying. Which brings us to this argument. This argument, I don't know Cam Hardy, transit nerd community activist. Okay, I I, I don't know you, dude. Uh, uh, welcome to the show, man. I, I, I appreciate it. The voters spoke via the ballot box. That doesn't make it valuable and that doesn't make it acceptable. And most importantly, because we can go through history and find things are like, okay, this is what the voter said. Um, That's bigoted. We are not doing that. (laughs) Uh, The voters voted. That's crazy. We are not doing that. This is an argument stating that the state has no rights. And I think the Indy Star tried to make this argument shamefully in in a piece yesterday. Uh, Look at all these people protesting against the blue line, speaking out against the blue line. The state should stay out of it. The state does get a say because when we take a look at um, how roads are utilized, well, the state has uh, has a tremendous amount of say. You're making the argument that the state should have no say. If you want that to be the case, go about engaging that legislation where all of a sudden cities can do whatever they want, regardless of the state. I'm 
I'm saying you might find places where you disagree with that idea. The state has a say. To the idea that somehow these elected representatives should stay silent because, well, this is what Indianapolis wants. That's pretty odd. I, I, I would love to engage the conversation over a bourbon of where you start to regret that. The blue line should be gone. We should not have dedicated bus lanes. I never actually thought about it as the should we or should we not have dedicated bus lanes. I just, uh, uh, my opposition to the red line was about the destruction of business and, of course, uh, the the lack of mobility. But in this conversation regarding bus lines, we should get rid of the blue line. And because there's been so much against Senator Aaron Freeman, who I've met a couple times, been nice enough to me. As I say, just because you've been nice to me doesn't mean you're you're a nice or not nice person. I just, I I say that as just a, a reference point. So many attacks. We're going to raise money. We're going to protest against him. We're going to run against him. Do that, which is, by the way, all fine. You know what I mean? That that that's all fine. Uh, how about I start doing fundraisers for Senator Aaron Freeman? I mean, why not? Just to just to you know even the playing field up. The blue line is a bad idea. A reduction of mobility is a bad idea. You bet it's a racist idea. Said it, meant it, can defend it, won't apologize for it. You figure it out. I don't know why Jesse Brown and the rest of his comrades are engaged in such bigotry in my view, but hey, you you can have the voters ask them that question. Mobility matters, and cities need mobility. We don't need bus-only lanes and the blue line, and the, and the red line, and the purple line, and do it today. And for the, uh, for the General Assembly, would you do me a favor and fight like you had a damn backbone? That'd be great. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. biggest story in America. The border is a story about security. The border is a story about economics. The border is a story about culture. And there is no question that the southern border is under attack. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. As has been reported during the Biden administration so far, 7.2 million migrants have come across the border. Larger than the population of 36 states, as is reported. How could you not think this is dangerous? Tony, what's your issue with uh, immigration? Oh, none. Legal immigration? Zero. Illegal immigration? Massive. Flooding the system, not knowing who's coming into the country? Massive. An unwillingness to do something about it? Massive problems with that. Since October... There have been 20,000 Chinese migrants. We're talking about adult, able-bodied men. Anybody who thinks this is okay is out of their mind. 
Anybody who doesn't see this as dangerous is lying to themselves and to you. And then there is the Swanton sector. Oh, and I'm not talking about the southern border. I'm talking about the northern border where we have issues. Swanton is uh, Vermont and some other states. We've got all these sectors all across uh, the country. You've got part of New York, Vermont, part of New Hampshire in the Swanton sector. And there you've got people coming across the border on the regular. 12,000 200 migrants, as reported, illegally crossed into the U.S. at the northern border last year. 70% occurred in the Swanton sector. You want to pretend that we have a safe and secure border? You, 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 you can. You, you, you can clearly, clearly show that we have a dangerous border to the north and the south and an administration that will do nothing about it. Zero. It is the biggest story in America. It is bigger than everything else because it connects to everything else. You want to talk about Israel and Hamas? It connects to the southern border and who's crossing the border. You want to talk about economics? It connects to the border. You want to talk about cultural and how we engage in American way of life? It connects to the border. Just does. And we're not the only people talking about it. The popcorn moment. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It's a story you need to hear to believe, then grab your popcorn because there is more. Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, is not running for re-election, not running uh, for president on some third-party ticket. And no one in his party is listening to him, no matter how much he might make sense. To the conclusion that after I saw what happened, what, 10 days ago or so, when the vote for on the Senate for security of the border... A secured vote in the border, which is what our Republican colleagues desired to happen. They, they pressed that. And they said, we're not going to vote on any aid until we secure our border. I agreed with them. I think President Biden has been wrong on the border. He, uh, he, it's, his, it's his responsibility, no matter what his reasoning was, to maybe help people around the world who have been displaced by the pandemic. But he's come to the table now. He understands the gravity of what we're dealing with and the danger. And he's willing to accept and he helped negotiate a very good bill that secures the border. Stops. The idea that Biden can't even be pushed would be great, but it's not true. Biden can't be pushed. The party won't be pushed. Well, Republicans wouldn't pass the legislation from the Senate. Yeah, it wasn't great legislation. Build out the wall. Get the technology for the areas where you don't have the wall. Let's just start with those two things. Clean bill does those two things. It'll pass the House and the Senate. Then, by the way, we can talk about funding for Ukraine and other places. It's right there. It's right there, clear as day. Let's get that done. Let's see if Democrats will do that. My God, let's see if I can get Republicans to actually put that forward. They did put together HB2. The Senate refused to move on it. 
if we want to talk about who's holding up border security. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You know. be just one member of the royal family I like. Just just one. Am I asking for too much? Just one. Tony Katz. 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. Prince William, not the one married to Meghan Markle. Uh, the, the normal one, or so I thought. He has decided to come out and call for an end of the war in Gaza. What, you're going to call on Hamas to surrender and return the hostages? Oh, no. No, no, no. Not doing that. You need to increase the humanitarian support for Gaza. And the sheer scale of human suffering sometimes shows us, quote, the importance of permanent peace. So any, uh, any conversation to be had about Hamas and their murder of Israelis and setting babies on fire and holding hostages. Is is there going to be any uh, discussion of this? The prime minister, Rishi Sunak, uh, he's got a spokesperson saying that the prince's comments, quote, echo those that you have previously heard from the prime minister as well. We want to see an end to the fighting in Gaza as soon as possible. So it is consistent with the government position, and we welcome that intervention. People are not happy because this is not usually where the royals engage, engaging in policy, uh, this this directly. You want to see an end to the fighting in Gaza? That'd be great. I'm in. Where is the push to put an end to Hamas? Swing and a miss from Prince William. Then Speaker Pelosi goes on uh, the the talk circuit, engaged in a a conversation on something called Conflict Zone, that's what it says, with a British reporter. I'm not familiar with uh, every single British reporter, mind you. And, well, this conversational make you fume. Isn't the danger for the U.S. that if you don't like what Israel is doing, and the president has made it clear that some of what Israel is doing he doesn't like, and and you go on supplying them with hardware to do those things, you own this operation every bit as much as they do, don't you? No, we don't. We don't. We have always supported Israel as our national security friend, largely because it was in our interest to do so. At largely because it was introduced that we had shared values at only democracy uh, in the region. Uh, the behavior of Netanyahu is, in my view, inexcusable in terms of how it has affected the collateral damage to children and families and the rest. But nobody can take away the right of any country to defend itself. It has been brutally attacked in that way. Uh, uh, 28,000 Palestinian lives is more than self-defense, isn't it? It's more than self-defense. So for Speaker Pelosi, former Speaker Pelosi, first, um, 
the way to be an ally. And secondly, you understand from the reporter there, he doesn't accept the idea of defense. He takes a, a number from the Gaza Health Ministry, which is Hamas, quotes it like it's gospel, and decides that's unacceptable. Not what Hamas did, what Israel does. And you sit there like a grinning freak, accepting that bigotry. I am looking forward to the trip. I leave a week from today. I will uh, land in Tel Aviv, and uh, I, I'm not giving out full itinerary yet. Uh, but uh, we are uh, we will be talking, exploring, engaging, showing. Uh, There will be audio dispatches that you'll hear throughout the shows, video that will be coming back to WIBC.com, all of it. Sponsorship's now available. Um, We're going to tell the story, man. We're going to tell the story and spread it as wide as we can. I'm glad I'm getting this chance to go. Um, It's the first time for me in 30 some odd years. It will not be the last by any stretch because much more has to be done to push back against bigotry that the former Speaker of the House is just lapping right up and actually being a part of pushing out. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. story when you did the story about an indiana couple as reported by fox news that had their child taken from them by child services because they wouldn't use pronouns for the kid wanted to call himself uh different pronouns utilize a different name and the parents said no tony katz 93 wibc good morning And so now there is a court case. The Supreme Court is being asked to uh, intervene here. This couple versus the Indiana Department of Child Services. I didn't know about this case until yesterday. I found out when you found out. The reporting states that because the family, the, the, the husband and the wife would not utilize specific pronouns, the child was taken away because Indiana officials began investigating. They removed the child, a teenager, from their custody and placed the child in a, quote, gender-affirming home. As I discussed earlier, I have questions. First, do we have the story accurate? Do we have the story correct regarding what has happened. Fox News Digital requested comment from the Indiana Department of Child Services, and the response was DCS does not comment on ongoing litigation. 
I don't think they made that up, which would make one think that there is indeed ongoing litigation. If in the state of Indiana, children are being removed from the homes of their parents because parents will not give in to a child's issues and thinking that you are a girl when you're a boy is an issue. Gender dysphoria is a mental disorder. It should be treated as such. It shouldn't be coddled. It shouldn't be hugged. It should be dealt with. I make no um, statement discussing whether this is easy. No part of me thinks that any of this is easy. These pressures from society, this brutality of a system, I don't argue that it is easy. But families standing up to this pressure should be applauded, not vilified. And if the state of Indiana took a child from a home because of pronouns, Indiana's Department of Child Services should be disbanded. People should go to jail. As I relayed uh, last hour, producer Carl is going to be reaching out to the governor's office every hour to get a comment. There's no silence here, Governor Holcomb. None. I'm surprised I haven't heard from the Attorney General yet. I don't know if the Attorney General, Tyrell Keat, even knows of the case yet. Although, by now, I have to assume he's gotten the same emails that I have. Children don't get to decide certain things. And it is abusive to think that they can. They cannot decide their gender. They cannot decide to have some surgery to remove their breasts or any other part of them. They cannot take puberty blockers or these other irreversible medicines on their own. They can't. The parent has a role to play. And children need to be protected more often than not from themselves. And certainly from abusive adults who want to abuse them. And if the Indiana Department of Child Services is taking children from parents because they won't use a pronoun, that is supportive of the abuse. I say this as a parent on a very public forum and I'm fully aware that people might engage in acts of retribution against me. How dare that Tony Katz? We're aware of this all the time here. But the truth will be spoken no matter what. Children taken from parents who won't use pronouns is an obscenity. People need to get fired. The governor needs to intervene. The attorney general needs to intervene. What am I missing about this case? What am I missing here? Because if it is as reported, the Indiana Department of Child Services provides no value and is a threat to parents across the state. I think threats should be removed, eliminated, and thus the department should be completely gutted, gone, goodbye. Now you say to me, but what about the good work they do? It's amazing how quickly good works can be uh, turned on their head. How all the good works in the world don't matter when you make a mistake this egregious, except, of course, I don't know if they think this is a mistake and they think this is a value. Where is Governor Eric Holcomb? Where's the General Assembly? Where is the Attorney General? Comments not only welcome, but demanded.
We will keep our eyes on this story. And we will demand answers. We're calling every hour for comment. When we get it, we'll bring it to you. 888-900-3393. 